Welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco, your personal financial quarterback. Whether you've had years of success in your business or are just starting out, DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family and guide you toward the fulfillment of that goal. As they say, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your virtual family office. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm, uh, That's awesome. You know, we're kind of settling into the new norm, and, and <laughs> I know that you've got a bunch of folks at your house, you know, while, right. you're, while you're working and you're adjusting, and I'm adjusting. My wife is upstairs. She's working from home, and, and uh, it's a good thing. We actually get to eat lunch together, which is kind of nice. Oh, that, yeah, that is nice. That is nice. I, I'm laughing because my wife, who is a, an introvert by nature, is loving this. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and I keep teasing her. I said, I can't wait to get rid of you again. So. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there is a mass uh, mass uprising of introverts that are just like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know. I know. Good stuff. So what are we talking about today? Well, it's actually interesting because as I was going through my outline of topics I wanted to cover, this week's came in uh, as what happens to your business in a crisis. And I think, you know, the current situation now has uh, really brought that to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really just want to kind of talk about some planning that uh, every business owner should look at, you know, both for the short term and for the long term. Okay. All right. Where do we start? Well, you know, as I, I talked about in the last podcast about, you know, creating a, a plan and the self uh, the self buyout program. And again, those plans are really kind of more, they're longer term for the future. But when we look at especially the current situation with the pandemic, you know, we're, we're in a crisis and a lot of businesses are really uh, struggling through this. And so what happens is because they haven't put a plan in place, uh, their options are limited at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's why you need to put a longer term plan in place. And that's why it's important to do that. All right. But kind of looking at the current situation, I mean, there are a few things that uh, I think business owners can look at. First off is the um, SBA loans, what they call the Paycheck Protection Program that the government is offering to help uh, businesses maintain their payrolls. And I would encourage anybody who has a business and especially has employees in payroll to look into that program. It can be a little difficult to navigate I do have some partners that have navigated through this program and they've offered to my clients if they if somebody needs help on that to be able to uh, um, that they would help with that and I can help to coordinate that solution. Nice. All right. I think a second strategy that you can use is to reduce overhead, you know, looking at different ways. You can look at your budgets and operations. I mean, I think the one thing that's kind of uh, that is going to come out of this is that businesses are going to start to learn new ways that they can operate that probably can be a lot more cost effective. Mm -hmm. Some of the virtual working that's going on, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, and having people remotely. I mean, it, it's interesting. Uh, I know uh, my wife who works for our church, they've been doing, they started doing zoom meetings and they'd never done anything like that. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually instituted it with our, in our youth ministry, in our small groups where we have these massive meetings that can move into breakout rooms and, and, it's, I think it can fundamentally change how businesses do business. So I think it's it's a really good time for business to kind of sit back and look. I mean, navigate the current situation, but also look in the future. How can we do things more effectively and more efficiently? 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because the line of work that I'm in, uh, with with having many clients all around the country, and and also our team is completely virtual. Because of all the things that are happening with each of our clients and all the rescheduling and things that need to happen, we've been using the F word a lot, which is flexible, right? Right. <laughs> flexible exactly. is the word. And as these businesses learn, you either have become flexible because of learning throughout the years, or you've become flexible because of this crisis. And once right. you learn how flexible you can possibly be, it's 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 kind of hard to go back to the old way. Uh, certain things obviously will go back to the old way because that's it, it's more efficient and it works better. However, now knowing what they know, I, I agree 100% with you that they're going to be able to implement some things and maybe not be so scared of having somebody working virtually for a week or two weeks or, or whatever the case may be for right. their own specific situation. And they know, you know what, the work can still get done and we're still going to prosper. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting. A lot of my peers, you know, they're going through a lot of stress at this time because they have, um, you know, they have larger firms, they have, um, you know, they have employees and, and a lot of overhead and they're really kind of struggling through mm -hmm. this. And, you know, I was talking with a number of them. We had a, we had a, a, a group meeting, a zoom meeting and, Really, my business hasn't been any different because I've been conducting it virtually for so long, and and I think it's a it's a very efficient way of doing it. Now that doesn't take away from the times that we do need to have FaceTime, mm -hmm. but you know through this crisis, I mean, I've uh, March is my big surge month where I I, I have a lot I, a lot of client meetings during that time, and we just shifted and did all of them virtually, um, you know, the, and even those clients that you know I would typically meet in person. They, they uh, would do a virtual meeting and kind of like, wow, this is really simple. And so it's going to give us the opportunity to be able to fill these in mm -hmm. on those points when maybe we can't always get together in person. Yeah. And I think it changes the, the client's perspective as well, because I'm sure you've had clients that are saying, I really like meeting in person. And, you know, I don't think I want to do a virtual meeting. But now that they've experienced it due to need and necessity, they're like, wait a second, I can be in my robe and slippers and drinking coffee in my in my living room and, and still talk to Matt and business is still getting done. This is great. So that saves them time, saves you time. I mean, it, there's there's all sorts of benefits from that. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, exactly. There's no doubt about that. And I and and I'm not to minimize FaceTime. I think it's important to be, mm -hmm. you know, we are human beings that created the being community, and we need to have human interaction. But with that being said, we don't have to do it all the time. And especially mm -hmm. when there's when there's something that um, there's an immediate need to be able to talk to somebody, you do have options that are available instead yeah. of trying to work around people's schedules. Exactly. I guess the second step is, you know, we look at the current situation, but how do we strategize for future crises that are coming up? And so those are kind of steps that I want to talk about here today. And I'm just going to kind of do a top view on them because, again, there's a, there's a number of different steps. I think what we'll do is then in future podcasts, we can get into more detail about some of these, um, uh, some of these strategies. Sounds good. The first one is really just kind of taking a principle that we should all be doing in our personal lives and tying it into your business. And that's putting money away for emergencies like this, developing your emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you read uh, one of the great books out there, and I recommend it to anybody who's starting, especially to my clients' kids, is The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And it's a classic. You know, are you familiar with that book? Yes it's a classic that's out there and he talks about in that book pay yourself first and i think we need to do that personally and i think 
we also have to look at the business as its own separate entity and we've got to pay it first. So putting away some emergency funds so when a, a situation like this comes up, we're not under the gun and saying, what am I going to do now? All of a sudden, I've been shut down for business or I've been limited in the way I can do business. You have some operating funds that are available there mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. I think the second thing that clients look at, and I've been telling clients a lot of this is now, especially with rates low, banks are looking for opportunities to, to uh, lend money. And it can be very easy if you have good credit to establish a line of credit. Now, I'm not a big proponent of debt, but I do think having a line of credit just gives you an option if you do run into an emergency that you can tap into without tapping into any of your personal funds. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of business owners that are doing that, that are saying, look, we're taking, you know, I'm taking money out of my retirement accounts. I'm taking money out of, you know, our personal savings that we had as a family. And psychologically, that can be very destructive. Yeah. So I think having that line of credit, and especially with as, as low as rates are, that's a good thing to look at. I think any kind of debt that you have right now is a good, it's a good time now to look at refinancing again mm -hmm. with rates low and banks are looking for opportunities to, to lend money. Yeah, absolutely. The third step is really just kind of creating a business structure that will allow for diversification and cash flow. The term I use for this is I call the family umbrella. Okay. And how that and that basically works, and I, and probably the best way for me to illustrate this is to give you a story that we did with a client who had a large business, owned the real estate, had a mechanical shop that was all kind of part of this business. And one of the things that we look to do is say, why is this all one business? Let's structure this out. So we created the main manufacturing plant as, as one business. The mechanical shop is a separate business. The, the real estate as another business. Hmm. And what that does is, first off, it limits his risk. Let's say, for example, his transition plan is to have the kids take over the business. And they're just, they're not capable and they run it into the ground. He has other cash flow streams to tap into. So it provides protection for him, too. Mm -hmm. It also helps to limit some of his, you know, the ways to structure from uh, mitigate tax liability in uh, the, you know, as with these different businesses, because again, they are all separate. They're not all coming in through one. You know, if you've got a very large client that might be subject to uh, federal estate tax, you can limit the, uh, the liability that's there. So this is what we did for this guy. And, and it's kind of neat because we have options. If he decided to transition from the business, he could still maintain control of, let's say, the real estate. All right. And mm -hmm. have the business pay him income for as, as a leasing payment for the property that he owns. If for some reason, you know, that doesn't work out or the business isn't able to pay that, he has the real estate that he can sell. So again, it just gives him multiple options that are out there. So it's, it's a really neat strategy. And I've been implementing this with a lot of my uh, business owners that are out there, provides them some diversification. Yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that that's one of the the main drivers for McDonald's, right? Exactly. They, they they're not a fast food restaurant company; they're a real estate company. Is kind of what what the the uh, saying is because of their the way they've set it up for them to be leasing all that property that those McDonald's sit on. So it it makes perfect sense. 
You know, it's it's interesting you say that because I remember uh, reading a story one time about Ray Kroc and he was teaching a class at some business school and he asked the class, he said, you know, what business are we in? And they said, hamburgers, restaurant, food service, this and that. He said, no, I, I'm in the real estate business. And, mm -hmm. and that was that was his plan from the yeah. very beginning is understanding that the real estate was where the value was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The third area I think that, uh, and a lot of business owners I don't think really take a deep dive into this, is into disability planning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because if a business owner is anywhere between, well, I mean, we, you know, even in their 20s, but even from 35 to 65, the chances are actually greater for them to become disabled than death. And business owners go out and buy life insurance, but they never think about well, what happens if I if I get incapacitated. I, rem mm -hmm. I remember years and years ago, I had an insurance agent that was, this is before I was even in the business, he was selling me life insurance. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Matt, he goes, you're worth more dead than alive. And I got to thinking nice. about him going, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but you know what? There was a reality that was there. And, yeah. and, and that's the thing. If I became disabled and I was the sole breadwinner, we were screwed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think there's two areas that you've got to, that the business owner needs to look at is first off protection for their own income. And then they also have to look to, for protection for the business operations. So, you know, one of my clients, and it's actually a young entrepreneur, both he and his wife, he owns a um, advertising business. She owns a optical business. They have real estate, they, you know, very well diversified, but the one thing that we did look at is, you know, hey, what happens if something, you know, if something happens to you, if you become disabled, if you're not able to operate the business. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we looked at uh, protecting their personal income and we, you know, kind of calculated what their needs would be, um, you know, we're able to get that through underwriting. But we also looked at business overhead insurance that would cover them in the case of disability that would pay the business money to keep the payroll going, to hire somebody maybe during that period of time that they were disabled to do their job. So, you know, I think that's another area that business owners kind of miss. Yeah. Yeah. The fourth area is what we call the uh, personal family protection. And that's, again, that's looking at uh, how are we going to protect ourselves? And I think, okay. that, you know, the first, the first area is in estate planning. We've got to have proper estate planning. And it's mm -hmm. amazing to me how many business owners, actually just people in general I talk to and ask them, do you have, do you have a will? Do you have a power of attorney? And they say, no. I mean, I was recently reading a study that said 60, what, 62% of Americans don't have a will. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. Right. And then imagine the business owner who's got all of these moving parts, doesn't have any kind of estate plan to protect them when, if something would happen to either he or his wife or both of them. Matt, you bring up a great point. And my, my question to you is how many times do you hear or do you see that, well, you know, my, my kids and my wife know what I want to have done, right? Or I have people that work in the business that they know what my what I want to have done with the business. If, if something happens to me, they know what to do. Um, right. Man, that's just, boy, that's a lot of faith. <laughs> well, and, it is a lot. In human beings that are, are emotional and make emotional decisions. And, and if you don't have a will or, or directive or something stating truly what you want, nobody's going to know what those private conversations were. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Again, this was an interesting story. I have a uh, client. He and his family have been clients of mine for, for 15 years. Business owner, 
and you know we've talked about succession planning you know he said oh, i've got this in place that in place you know i've got this guy who can take over the business and it was happened uh, a couple of years ago i was talking to his wife and she was just not confident that he wanted you know that he had a plan in place mm -hmm. and she said you know he always says that the son doesn't have an interest in running the business he just likes doing the mechanical stuff but i'm not sure about that so i had to kind of get together and um I, I sat down with the son and the son does have an interest in the business mm -hmm. he be the first to admit he knows nothing about the operation side and yeah. he had told me he said you know dad won't teach it to me and when i went back to the dad the dad's like well no he's not interested in that and so now we were we were now in the process of pulling them together to start getting them on the same page because you're right that we sometimes we assume that uh, the family members know what the other's wishes are. But again, mm -hmm. they're assumptions. And you know, what the, you know what they say about assumptions, Absolutely. right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to be put in that position. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think the other thing too, especially with estate planning is that, and, and, I, and I tell clients this all the time, is that when you have this stuff in writing, you take a lot of stress off of those family members. So like a medical directive is a great example. Let's say you have some sort of um, uh, illness that's an end of life sort of thing and you're on life support. Mm -hmm. The family's under a lot of stress to say, what's the best thing to do? Maybe the doctors are saying, look, there's no hope. Let's unplug it. But do you want to be the one to do that? Mm -hmm. And if there's a medical directive that's in place, I've seen this happen. It, it really just kind of puts the family a little more at ease knowing that this is what their wishes were. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like to them that they're, they're the ones that are making the decision to do that end of life thing that they need to do. Mm -hmm. Yep. The other thing when we're looking at family protection is looking at uh, adequate life insurance and what do we need. And, and one of the things that I found out there is many times people are buying insurance from an insurance agent and that insurance agent basically gets paid for selling a policy mm -hmm. so what they're more interested in is selling a policy than having that hard conversation with the client and saying you know this is really what you need now i had a a client one time a physician uh, wife was a stay-at-home mom, two young kids, and we were looking at their life insurance needs, and, and they had about $500,000 worth. And I said, you know, I said, you make about $200,000 a year. I said, to be able to generate that income to make it so that your family doesn't have to change their lifestyle, mm -hmm. that your, your wife can continue to raise the kids, you know, you can send them to the private schools that you want to. If we're going to generate that even at a you know at a four percent rate of return you're going to need four million dollars yeah or five you know at five percent rate of return it's uh you would need four million dollars to do that and they wanted to talk to their their insurance agent it was a friend of theirs friend of the family and i said okay you know you know whatever you're comfortable with but this is what you need came back i think you know a few months later we were talking and i was reviewing again their their financial situation and they had bought a million dollars and i mm -hmm. said i told you you needed four and they were like well she said this would be adequate why because the, she was comfortable with that premium selling that premium to them that they would not balk at, at paying mm -hmm. that amount and so again we had to have the conversation again and i ended up having to fill in i got them convinced that this is what they needed and we got them the adequate amount of life insurance but that happens a lot 
that people just do not have enough that's out there. And it's amazing because I've dealt with, you know, many times where a spouse dies and the ones that we've adequately planned for, that we've got proper life insurance in place, that we have the proper estate plan, it's really given them the ability to just grieve Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about the financial end of things. Yeah. But the ones that haven't, boy, there's a lot of extra stress that's out there and it makes it, makes it extremely difficult. Well, I think a lot of people, a lot of people look at life insurance and they say, I want to make sure that I have enough coverage to pay off all the debts so that my spouse doesn't have to worry about any debt moving forward. Well, that's great. However, (laughs) that, that is the current debt. If you can't replace your income and give them that cushion or that buffer for three, five, however many years you feel it's appropriate, uh, depending on your specific situation, they're going to incur new debt because they don't have the finances coming in that that you provided at one time. And so I think that people just don't look at the whole picture and that's where a lot of times it just, it just falls short. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, sometimes an interesting story that kind of popped into my mind was I had one client and the husband had uh, brain cancer. And so, you know, it's kind of helping them maneuver through this, this illness, but you know, they were woefully underinsured Mm -hmm. and it happened that he had, he had worked for an employer that had, he had a policy through them and he still had the ability to convert it to permanent insurance. And so we looked at the numbers and ended up, I think he was, it was like $250,000, but it was going to cost her about $440 a month to do this. Mm -hmm. But the problem was you know, the guy had brain cancer, we would never get him underwritten. Yeah. So I said, let's just go, let's suck it up. And it ended up, he, he, he lived about two or three months uh, after that, but we did have that adequate protection. So she'd had to bite the bullet for a couple months, but at least we were able to get something. Yeah. And I think it was sometimes we have to think outside of the box as advisors to provide the proper guidance to our clients. Yeah, absolutely. So... The last point, and I'd already touched on this in an earlier podcast, is really about having that succession plan. How, yes. you know, how is that going to happen? You know, who's going to be involved? Children, family members, key employees. And then the how. And, mm-hmm. you know, we looked at, you know, we've talked a little bit about the business structure, how I like to have the family umbrella, who's going to run what. You know, maybe, you know, if the real estate is one portion, um, Maybe mom and dad, they just say, look, we're just going to take lease payments. You guys take care of these part of the businesses. Uh, Are there key employees that can be a part of that? And which areas would they run? Mm -hmm. And then I think we got to look at funding sources for this. So looking at buy-sell agreements where if there's partners in the business, whether it's, you know, um, you know, two individuals, uh, whether it's family members, whoever those are, you know, having agreements in place that if one should uh, pass on, that there would be a payout to the uh, the other buyer to be able to buy out that person's portion. And that, again, pro- provides protection for the families too. Mm-hmm. Also looking at key, uh, key employee protections. So if something happens to your key employee, are you going to have funds available? And this could be either from a disability standpoint or from a life standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you've got to look at it from both aspects. I mean, I can't stress enough this idea of disability planning, because I think that's the one that most business owners miss. Yeah. 
and we really need to look at that's probably a greater chance that somebody's going to get disabled than to die and we better have protections in place especially for anybody who's a key person that in the event that something happens to them that you have a way to be able to either bring somebody else in or to pay somebody else within the organization that can take over those responsibilities to compensate them in in a way that's the, the they're entitled to yeah and let's let's be honest <laughs> let's be very clear here every business owner that is listening to this podcast right now think about your most valued employee besides yourself Think about your most valued employee, the person that does the most for your business. Do you honestly think that you can replace them with one other person if they were to pass away or be disabled? Or would you probably need to bring in two people to handle the workload that your current employee is handling because of the fact that they know what they're doing, there's no gap in learning, there's all sorts of different things that, that people don't consider. Um, right. You know, and, and not to be too selfish here, but but my wife is a key employee at, at the, at her job. She actually mm-hmm. absorbed a whole nother person's job because the other person wasn't doing it efficiently. She knew how to do it. They moved on to a different position. They didn't have to replace her because my wife took that over. Now, the nice thing is the business did compensate her with a nice raise and realized, holy cow, she's doing the work of two and a half people. But right. if something, God forbid, happened to my wife, I can guarantee that they would need to bring in a few different people to fill in the gap of everything that she does. And that's just that's... straight honesty, you know, because it's, it's, uh, when you can depend on somebody that much and they're that hard of a worker, you've got to plan for something to happen just in case, because I can't remember what the statistic is, but I believe it's in the mid 60 percentile that, that people will get disabled in one way or another for longer than 30 days. And I thought, that's wow, right. that's, that's huge. Um, Oh. Think of that person being gone for 30 days. How's that going to affect your your business? So oh, I think this is exactly a great, right. great point, Matt. Yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, the the family I was telling you about that where, the you know, they were trying to get the succession plan, the son, you know, with the son who was the mechanical guy. Mm-hmm. This guy is an operations manager who started when she was probably 18 with them, right? And she's in her 40s now. And she's one of those people. And yep. that's the one thing I keep preaching to my client is that we need to provide protection for her because if something happens to you, you know, everything's going to be dumped on her. She knows the ins and outs of this business, Mm -hmm. right? But then if something happens to her, who's going to be able to take, uh, you know, take control of that? You certainly don't have the time to do that because you're doing your own responsibilities. Yeah. And so it's something that he, you know, that I really stress with my clients looking at those. And that's one of the things I do initially, even working with a business owner is I want to look at the business and I want to identify all these key people because I want to get an idea, you know, how vital are they to the operations? Because that's going to help us put this plan in place for, for the client. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Yep. So. All right. I know we're running out of time here, Matt. Do you have any yep. final thoughts for today's podcast? Yeah, I think, you know, the the, the first thing is to let it plan now. I mean, I know given the current situation, things are stressful. There's a lot of business owners that are just trying to tread water, keep their heads above. But, but I think the more you can start planning now, um, we won't get our pants caught down in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's really a 
critical thing. Planning is key. Planning is key. And if you're struggling with any of this stuff and saying, you know, and this, and what I'm talking about might resonate with you and you're like, you want to get some feedback on maybe where you stand, schedule an intro call with us um, to discuss your situation and the options that might be available to you. Mm -hmm. And as I always offer, I'll give anybody 20 to 30 minutes of my time just to talk about your situation. Even if I can't help you, I promise you, I will point you in the right direction. Yeah. But schedule an intro call. You can go to my website, dfranvfo.com. There's a button at the uh, on the top right that says schedule an intro call here. Just click on there. You get right onto my calendar and uh, we'll find a time to chat. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very important. Don't delay. Uh, that, that's all I can say about that. Don't delay. Matt, Amen. thanks so much for your time. No problem, Eric. Thank you. You bet. And thank you all for listening to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe button below. This way, when Matt comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends, family, and colleagues. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, doing business as DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office, is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. 